you got one chance. Yeah, got definitely. one chance to do it right. They say, look, the effort that went into my birth plan was ridiculous for my son. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, why have I not even concerned about any end of life plan? It's the same thing. You know, I've definitely become a champion of death since I've been working there. And all, you know, excuse the phrase. Yeah, it's yeah. just about in terms of. Okay, we're good to go. So welcome to the Eleanor podcast, Making Moments Matter. I'm here today with Gemma Kemp. Hello, my old buddy. Hello, Anna. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Also happens to be a colleague, obviously, working for Eleanor Hospice. Um, Gem, we're going to have a bit of a chat today, really about Eleanor, why we do what we do, why we're here, why we both work for this amazing organisation. Um, and we're going to let it flow. It might get a little bit personal because, you know, we had a bit of a chat before, didn't we, about our experiences of death, dying, bereavement. Um, so let's start really at the beginning. I mean, we're local girls, Gravesend born and bred. We are. We are. Um, how, I mean, for me, Eleanor was, I, I remember Eleanor from very young age. What about you? Was was it only when you experienced or had to, you know, you knew someone, your your cousin had to access the services? Um or was it something that you just Gravesend knew? Everyone knows Eleanor. Everyone from Gravesend knows Eleanor. Tell me mm. your experience of how you perceive Eleanor. Yeah, well, for me, I've always lived. Um, I grew up just down the road from the hospice, so um, my family have always lived a couple of miles away. So I've, I would say, most days I drove past hospice. So it was always, um, it was always an organisation that I, I knew of like you say coming from from Gravesend um, but it probably wasn't until um, one of my best friends who also happens to be my, my second cousin experienced the services of Eleanor that I really had uh, an experience of um, of what they do and I find that in my day-to-day role is that a lot of people have a perception um, and you'll probably find this as well of, of what hospice care is until they experience it mm-hmm. and then are like oh wow there's so much more to um, you know to to what I th- much more than what I thought it was going to be and conversations that I've had uh, with with people, with businesses, um, sort of talking about what we do and you get, and even at the time when I first joined Eleanor actually, uh, there was, our office was at Swanscombe and that was going to be my base. And then we were, we were asked to, we were going to be having a desk, a fundraising desk based at the hospice, which meant that we were going to be working from the hospice a couple of days a week, um, which at the time um, my family was like, oh, are you going to be all right with that? You know, oh, what? Because you was working at the hospice. Are you, are you going to be all right with working uh, there? And I, I was like, yeah, you, you have to come and you have to come and see what it's like. <laughs> they think it's, it's a funeral home. Yeah, it's, it's not a scary place. It's actually, and people are scared to walk mm. through the doors. And I ha- actually had a conversation with a local business, and he said, oh, I drive past there all the time, and I just think once you go through those doors, you don't come out, do you? And I was like, oh yeah. my God, please come and see me and yeah. I promise I'll let you out. Yeah. And it's not it's not a scary place and I think that's definitely something that I try to get across every time I speak to people is, and I try and get people to come meet me at the hospice mm. so that I can show them firsthand that it's not... And I always used to try and get people to come in. I used to be sort of strategic about inviting people in mm. and bring them in when we had... Um, 
actually most most days were busy but in on a busy day like a tuesday or thursday when mm. the seated exercise class is going on people didn't expect to walk into a hospice mm. and see people clapping their arms to queen and they're like <laughs> what is we going on it was just, <laughs> I, and I remember bringing someone in to, they were dropping some money off, um, like a, a local business and they wanted to come in and I, I arranged for them to come in on like a Thursday morning or something. Um, and they said, um, the lady actually said to me before she left, she said, do you know what? I really didn't want to come here today. I mm. was really nervous about it. And um, actually, I honestly can't believe it. I'm going to go back and tell everyone. <laughs> but I just, this I'm so shocked at how happy mm. everyone is, how lively it is in here, how, what a lovely place it is. And that's definitely something that I, I really try and get across to people all the time. That it's obviously, you know, there are sad a lot of sad moments. Of course, what, it's what, what we, we do, do, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, but there's so there's so many happy moments as well there, and it's such an amazing place to be a part of. Um, and so much of what we do is positive, mm -hmm. and that's something that I really sort of champion when I'm speaking to people, and it's something that people don't expect. Hundred percent. You know, I've covered this on a few other podcasts. There is a massive stigma mm. attached to hospice care, and, and you do. Do you know? Funny enough, you said that about your family. Mine were the same. Mm. It was like really proud that you know i'm working with eleanor but also like oh i bet you see some sights yeah. like, oh, are you gonna well, be all right are not, you sure that's okay are yeah, you sure you want to really. do that it's good it's fine and it is literally almost like come in have a mm. look and we, you know just last week we had some people in did a bit of a tour of the inpatient ward and every time i've done that every single time they leave saying one thing i did not expect it to be like that mm. it is nothing like i thought it would be and we've i think eleanor's got probably quite a big job to do to try and break down that stigma definitely um even so to entice people it not so many hate just patients i'm talking staff yeah you know workforce yeah absolutely i mean one of my one of my old, like oldest school friends she's worked in she's been a palliative care nurse since she left uni and She's always worked for a hospice mm. and um, I remember, I mean, for years she has just raved about how much she loves her job and mm -hmm. we was all, we've all been like, why? Like, I don't understand. Like, people how, die. How, how could you, you like love it? your job? You're working with people every day that are in a really, like, probably the most saddest situation they're ever going to go through and how can you love that? And I totally get it now. Mm. I didn't get it before. And as soon as I started working for Eleanor, I said to, to my friend, I said, you know what? I, I totally get it now. And she said, I know. It's a lovely feeling, isn't it? She said that it's really hard to explain to people, but... Mm. Yeah, she just, um, she's always said about how much she loves it and how amazing it is. And I just didn't understand. But now, working in a hospital myself, it. I don't. Yeah. Do you know, I find it's little things. Like, a few weeks ago, um, I was having one of those days. I got stuck in traffic, as you always do. Coming across, got got to the hospice, was a couple of minutes late for it, and I hate being late for anything. And I got to the front door, and there was a lady next to me stood waiting to get in. And she was frantically pushing, uh, pushing the buzz, 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 mm. and, I felt, and I was like, and I said, "Are you here to see?" Her? She's, "I'm here. My husband, my husband's dying. My husband's dying." And I let her in, and and the nurse waited for her, you know, on the green, and took her through. And I sat down, and straight away, that moment for me, I thought, "There you go. Mm. That's a little reminder. Even though you've had 
a pants journey getting in and you're late for your meeting, that is exactly why you're here. Definitely. That is why you do it. It's, it's totally changed my outlook on life. And I know that's sort of quite a big statement, but it has like quite quickly, I would say probably in the first um, three or four months of working at, at Eleanor, I... I was, I had quite a few experiences where I was, you know, you just relate everything back to yourself. So there was... Make it personal. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And there was, um, you know, I've got, I've got three children and to see children coming in to visit their parents Mm. um, at the hospice, that, that definitely, that, that got me to start with. And I just used automatically think, oh my God, you know, Mm. if that was my kids coming in here. And then especially when you've got kids coming in at similar ages to yours. Mm. And then you start to think, you know, and you just, you just realise, you know, how you just become more grateful Mm. and um, just you put things into perspective a bit more. And I think that combined with lockdown and all of these different things um, definitely has made me a different person, I would say. Work, Definitely. Working at Eleanor, just, uh, the, yeah, completely. But do you know what? A lot of what we do at Eleanor, in fact, the vast majority of what we do at Eleanor, isn't even in the hospice. Mm-hmm. And it is an amazing place to be. And I love going, I love working there, I love, you know, being in the office. Yeah, but, absolutely. You know, 90% of what we do is actually in people's own homes. And that's I think that's another thing that maybe people aren't really aware of yeah. what we do outside. Yeah. I think I think you're right there. Um, and something that I was really keen on doing in my role, especially because I talk to people about what we do all the time, I like to experience that as well, to be able to, a lot of my, my role in, um, I think, I've done a lot of training over lockdown about what engages people and people like to hear real life stories rather yeah, than yeah, facts and figures. And, personal, yeah. and so I kind of made it my mission to make sure that I understood a bit more about what everyone did and um, something that was offered to kind of our exec team was to go into different roles and to spend a day in someone's shoes basically and we did we sort of flagged you know can we do that too because we'd really like to, I'd really mm. like to be able to do that and that's what um, we did I went out with um, one of our amazing home care team and spent the day with her went to a couple of different patients houses um, sort of real different scenarios and again um, you know it was the same it was this a, a bit of the same vibe though that you know that they were um, a bit scared of us turning up a couple of the visits were first visits and I was prepped to sort of say right they're a little bit nervous because we're the hospice and they're a bit nervous that we're coming in so we're going to really take it gently with them and just reassure them that we're just here to support them and um, explain everything and make sure that they're comfortable and yeah, you're just going into someone's home. It's their home. They've all of a sudden been turned into a carer mm. and they're just hoping they're doing everything right. And it was it was so emotional. Um, yeah, the, the guy that we met, he was the family that we met were absolutely brilliant. And actually the most important thing to the guy was that he was making the dinners right because his Aww. wife did all the cooking. Yeah. And he was like, I made a casserole last night and it actually tasted like hers. Oh, and I was like, oh my goodness. And Little you, things. You do find that those, you know, all those things are so important to people that you don't think about, you know, mm. like cooking and all of those those bits. So, yeah, amazing what, what we do going out 
in the community as well a big part and, and like you say a lot of people I think because people when people care being cared for at home there's several different organizations coming in yeah um sometimes you know we might get a bit lost that actually we we are a charity and that we are Eleanor and mm. that that's um yeah that's 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 do you know what I think doing. we do well though I think we make it home away from home definitely so we and having experienced, you know, being out with, say, let's, for example, GPs, community nursing, there's, there's multiple healthcare providers that will wrap services around patients, which is amazing, Eleanor being one of them. But I feel like Eleanor just puts that homely touch on everything because exactly like you said, it's we'll support you with the cooking or we'll mm. support and all of those different bits. So, for example, I know that a lot of our, you know, bereavement care is around someone's lost their wife who cooked for 50 years and I, all I know is how to make toast. That's it. Mm. So we'll get you in and we'll support you and we'll show you or we'll come into your own home. Yeah. We'll show you how to, you know, let's maybe start with some beans on that toast and like let's make an omelette and all of those little touches that I think maybe the system might forget. Mm. That's what I'm proud of what Eleanor does. We, it is a home away from home in my mind. That's what we do. Yeah, and I think that I'm um, just sort of touching back on like just be like job satisfaction of what we do mm. and understanding mm. that those really tiny things then suddenly become huge when when you find when you have someone when you when someone dies and they're not doing them anymore and I've had been based at the hospice so I love being at the hospice um like personally because obviously that's the most interaction that I get with our patients because like I wouldn't yeah, yeah I would obviously not being a nurse I wouldn't go into people's homes on a on a daily basis so yeah. at the hospice having conversations with people um I find that they want to talk as well and it was that, a massive social side isn't it yeah Huge. it just you know they what they're, they're coming in to drop off donations that were collected maybe at their wife's funeral and that's the first time they've been out of the house in in mm. three months they've kept the donations there and then I've had quite a few conversations where I've sat with people for sort of an hour an hour and a half yeah when I first started working for Edinburgh um, Get my I had, work done. Well, I had the same conversation. With, <laughs> I had a conversation with a little boy, and he kept coming over and talking to me. And he was asking me about my family and my children. And I was thinking, oh God, I'm not, I'm not really getting any work done here. <laughs> and then I thought, you know what? I took a step back and was like, you know what? I am. Like yeah, this is my this, is, this is part of my job. This is what I do, and this is so important for me to experience this and the difference that we're making to this family's life. Because his mum was sort of like looking over from a distance sort of like mouthing is he bothering you like thank you to me (laughs) because they were having a really deep family conversation and the little boy was just I was kind of babysitting but it's okay (laughs) I've got some experience Um, but no he was you know he was talking to me and and so I kind of you know just gave him that little bit of space but then he was also talking to me about about his family and what was going on and everything so I think yeah just to recognize that there's so many elements to what we do and for me to be experienced stuff like that really helps me to portray what we do when I'm talking to mm. to our supporters and and, and we do support the whole family exactly, it's not just yeah. a patient it's not just the carers it's like you say sitting there having a conversation with that little boy while the family can talk about what's yeah. happening and you mentioned there about obviously meeting the family and meeting people in general not just families but you know corporate sponsors and anyone that supports us as a local hospice that's a huge part of your role isn't it 
Yes, it is. So um, over the last kind of nine months, uh, my role has, has changed um, to specifically uh, uh, look after our our businesses that support us, basically. Okay. So, so yeah, a lot of people that I speak to, um, it depends. Sometimes they'll come, well, well it will come from an individual. So there may mm. be a personal connection that someone's, they've decided to support us through their business because they're part of that business and they've had a personal experience with Eleanor and they want um, to as a sort of uh, employees kind of gather around and support them in that process or mm. it could just be that they're a local business and they're looking for a charity a local charity to support it's a big part of mm. most organization strategy now is is the sort of community element and that involves you know sustainability and then what they're giving back into their local community which is obviously is is charity support and there's such there's so many amazing charities now it's not so easy competing aren't you yeah you are it really is you know um it's a huge market and there's lots of people out there doing amazing things so it's not and and more local charities as well so it's not so simple to go oh well we're your local charity well there's lots of local charities so we've we've got to be We've got to be doing something special and we do. So that's what, you know, I mm. definitely, I love to go and talk to people about what we do because they're always surprised. They're always, um, mm. I always come away and get a sort of email afterwards saying we're just, it was brilliant to meet you and that we're, like, we didn't, we can't believe how much you do. We thought it was just this. And so I feel like it's part of my, my role to kind of get that message out there as well like we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. sort of breaking down those barriers of what we do as a hospice and the sort of real broad services that we offer that people have absolutely no idea about so and it is pretty broad and it I mean for me like for example when I think about corporate businesses I think oh it's about money mm. it's not and you know what I was Set on the loo at the hospice, and I looked up, and there's a poster in front of me. Oh, and it I made that poster. Did, I did. It's <laughs> funny that. Did. And it says about something like we get um, given, yeah, or we use so a thousand toilet rolls a year, and actually they're donated to us, so yeah. we don't pay for them. So, and it well it made me chuckle anyway because I was having a wean. It was a bit of a. I'm glad that you said that. That's exactly I did see I it. There. Yeah, I did see it. Just specifically for me, but also it's about it's not just money. Well, that was the main reason for me putting that poster up. And mm. a lot of do you know when I first put it up, people were like, "That do you know what?" Because I'm always thinking about what the perception of us as a charity as well, right? Because we're out in the public domain, and everyone's, you know, people are smart, they're savvy, and they're looking around. And I, for me. Um, and because I've always worked in sort of like a customer facing role, I'm always thinking about how the customer thinks mm-hmm. and how the supporter thinks, etc. And if I sat somewhere in a charity and I looked and there was Andrex toilet roll, I'm allowed to say Andrex, not the BBC, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Copyright, no, we're not allowed to cut well, that out. Yeah, go on, uh, we're not getting paid for that. No. Um, then I would be like, oh, well, they can afford to buy Andrex. Like, why don't they cut back and get some cheaper toilet roll? And honestly, I think, you know, you're looking around all the time and thinking, well, this is a charity. I'm donating here. They're spending the money that I'm giving on Andrex. On Andrex. Mm. You know, maybe they should maybe, you know, get some cheaper toilet roll. But actually, by putting that poster into the into the toilet saying, actually, we don't pay for these toilet rolls. They're really kindly donated by a local business. And that saves us this much money a year. That's another 
big thing that my role that I'm really passionate about is partnerships mm. and not about um, donations. <laughs> my boss is going to kill me. Um, <laughs> no, it is all about donations as well. I mean, it's because that's when you get really long-term um, partnerships when you can make it that both sides benefit definitely so it's yes. all about them feeling like they're getting something out of it and we obviously will get the financial support or they'll save us money so mm -hmm. there's lots of ways that businesses can, can support us and that's something that when we've been going to speak to businesses recently is that I've been really sort of championing is that actually what what can what else have you got like not obviously well, we want yeah. your money we, yeah but but, uh, but can we also have you know um, well, we need chairs we need tables you think of a building you've got a kit a building out there's yeah, there's so many things actually it's about skills as well mm -hmm. so people people don't people to forget about that bit mm. so they forget that they're you know they're experts in I don't know, like some sort of database or, you know, they're whizzes on Excel or mm -hmm. they have uh, got an amazing HR department or something something that they could come in and, and lend us their their skills Very for an true. hour or something. Um, you know, what do you do? What, what would you say you're, you're good at? Or, you know, a lot of our supporters are in construction. So anything like that where we need support, because that to them is easy. Mm. So they're like, and also they enjoy it and they're good at it and they'll come away. For me, it's all about them feeling like they've, done something to make a difference so any yeah. sort of volunteering opportunities that we have I really want them to be beneficial to both of us and mm. that we're not getting people in to go oh let's let's sort of paint this wall that we'll need to get repainted because none of these people are actually painters they were working IT <laughs> it's like you know actually come and look at spending come and spend a day with our IT department tell us if there's something we could be doing a bit more efficiently like don't come and paint a wall that we don't really need painting that, yeah that would be so useful for us wouldn't yeah, it so exactly. useful and we've already sort of started doing it and um yeah identifying and it's also educating our staff internally about jobs that they do day in day out that actually could someone else help you with that like mm. is that something that we could get a group of volunteers in to do that that actually is going to be a task that's going to be really beneficial. For example, um, last year, uh, we had, last couple of years actually, I had a, had a conversation with the children's team a couple of years ago about our, um, about all the presents that we get, the gifts for the children, mm -hmm. and about wrapping them up. And it takes them a day to wrap the presents up. And I was like, oh my goodness, yeah. that's a brilliant opportunity that people would love to come in and help us with. Yes. Uh, so that's what we did last year. Aww. We we had um, a business come in, um, and the year before actually, it was a bit more difficult because it was COVID. But last year we had, sort of, I think there was about 12 people come in from a local business we've got mince pies out we had the Christmas music playing so they lovely. wrapped up a load of presents and for that for, for me that's what it's all about and yep. actually off the back of that we got um, a, a, a one year partnership with that organisation so it's a way really it's a really good way in, intro into a lot of companies where they come to us and say you know have you got anything we can do and they expect us to go do you want to paint this wall and if we say and it's oh, not would you like mm. to help us with this or would you like to help us with that it's just and then the staff are much more engaged because they're like, oh mm. that was really good rather mm. than going to get them to do something they really don't want to do so I'm really passionate about that, that I love role. that you think outside the box and do you know what we're definitely going to hook up about Eleanor's new wellbeing centre yeah. that we've now started building. Um, we got to fill it. 
we got mm. to fill it with, you know, people, activities. We've got to make it look nice. So I love those sorts of thoughts. Those are innovative ideas where we Definitely. can maybe get someone in and, yeah, make it like a team thing. This is the whole hospice a part of it. I've got so, loads of ideas. <gasps> Oh my god! Right, right. We need a whiteboard. We need <laughs> we post need a, a white wall. Yeah, I have I've everything. Got, I've got a side really ideas. Right, let's so, yeah. do it. Let's definitely. That's it. So partnerships, partnerships. Let's all get together. Yeah, and definitely. let's work out. And this is what this is about, isn't it? Yeah. This is about working together to do the best that you can for your organisation that you work for. And ours just happens to be the amazing Ellen Hospice, mm-hmm. which is good. So we work a lot with different communities. Uh, part of my role working with Ellen over the last sort of 12, 18 months has been around trying to up-level our relationships, our partnerships with certain diverse communities. And there's there's various podcasts that we've done, as an example, LGBTQ plus podcasts. There's um, loads of work that we're doing with our Sikh community. Um, we're working with charities around sort of hard of hearing, um, sight loss, those sorts of things. Mm. Is Does that play a part in... The relationships that you build I mean do you is it just generally that there's a diverse mix of people that you link with anyway or do you specifically try to focus on a bit of a diverse mix um I think it's always it's definitely always in in my mind um for example just recently our so our quiz sponsor so we we, we have a monthly quiz Eleanor yes and uh, we normally get it sponsored and this year one of our sponsors um is an amazing deaf charity and she wants to help us so again this is the whole two-way thing Mm. um where we she's obviously sponsoring the quiz um which means that she gets promotion through the the website and on our flyers and posters but equally she's wants to give us her her skills to be able to make our quiz more inclusive so in terms of um you know some sort of um visuals rather than it just being mm-hmm. the over the microphone uh, so she's going to be working with us to to give us some tips and hints on how we can do that oh, so brilliant. i think those like those sort of partnerships are brilliant because uh, like uh, literally everyone is benefiting so we're benefiting from the sponsorship which means that we can put on the best quiz that we can and everyone that comes all that money comes to eleanor um she's benefiting because she's obviously getting some really great association with us but also she's getting that um you know that that feeling that she's actually not just helping us financially she's going to be advising us on on what she's an expert in Mm. and making sure that the the events that we're putting on um are accessible Mm -hmm. uh, because that's really really important because we have to make sure that we're we are being inclusive and that is accessible to everyone. So, so yeah, it's, that's a really great example of, of how that, that has worked and it's something that, um, that we're definitely, that's definitely always in our mind um, when, when we're talking to, to supporters and to, to businesses about, mm. about sort of working with us. So work in progress. It's not going to happen overnight. That's no. the whole point of, you know, maybe doing the work that Ellen has been doing with equality, diversity and inclusion. It's it's a long-term thing. You're not going to change everything overnight. But I think for us, it's predominantly Ellen a hospice, not just us, many hospice services. You tend to see the same people from the same age bracket, mm. same ethnic minorities. like it. And, and it, it's a shame because how great our services are, it would be nice to maybe 
try and push that out a bit further into certain communities. But what I've learned doing some work in the communities, you can't just push it out. You no. need to understand how they work, how Absolutely. the culture is, don't I, you? I really, yeah, I, to- I totally understand that. And from a fundraising perspective, there's there's really a lot to learn with that because mm. um, there is um, one, uh, a lot, sort of one of the business connections that I have come in to meet me at the hospice and then he made a donation afterwards um, but it was, it was, um, I think it was either eleven pounds or twenty-one pounds, and he explained the to me, number. Mm. and it was all about the numbers. And actually, you know, if we're putting out um, sort of asks for and, and our appeals and things like that, it's really important to understand that actually um, that that by by putting an option of an of a number like that mm. on on the options that you, you choose point. to donate. You're being so much more inclusive, and yeah, so there's so much to learn to make sure that we are that we are capturing everyone, and um, yeah, that that was just one example. And I I love learning, I love learning new things, and to to understand that as well, I think that's that's really really important. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's a work in progress, isn't it? Definitely, it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's a long term goal, it's a long term vision, and we will get there. Um, and definitely going to be, like I say, chatting more to you around um, relationship development and how, you know, we've got this, let's say, this amazing new building going up. Let's fill it. Let's fill it with um, people who, we want that vibrant energy back at the hospice because obviously yeah. we've had to move a lot of services off site to be able to accommodate the build. And I can't wait in hopefully 12 fingers crossed months time um when we we're up and running again we're up and running we've got our you know amazing new center um and we can get started so yeah definitely have some conversations about that outside of the podcast yes it should be good um finally i just wanted to finish with i suppose so for me personally there's a real tug towards eleanor because i've had certain family members pass away at the hospice for me you only get to die once um you have to do it right is that part of your passion for the hospice around everyone's experience death and dying is that something so for me I'm thinking well you know me mum might end up in there me dad might end up in there and a lot of people think that that's quite morbid to think about but for me no. it's about getting the services ready and as best as they can be to receive the ones that I love locally you're a grazing girl do you have the same sort of spin on that as me yeah I think uh, definitely I think that um seeing I uh, experience experiencing um different i suppose for me at the hospice i've experienced the most death that i ever have done obviously being Mm. there i've i've not ever had um anybody really close to me Mm. die um but i've had experiences through friends um other family members sort of like um not not as sort of close family members but I've ha- I've seen good experiences and bad experiences, and then I've also seen experiences at the hospice where people come in, and they explain to me sort of what has happened before they've got there mm. and how stressful it's been. Yeah, and I just think that you know I've definitely become a champion of death since I've been <laughs> working there, and all you know excuse the phrase. Yeah, it's yeah. just about in terms of stop stop not talking about it mm, like it's, it's gonna, not a taboo subject it's gonna happen you know i'm like banging on to my mom and dad about getting their will sorted about um making sure that everything is in place because mostly it affects the people that are around you that's definitely what i who's left isn't it exactly it's yeah. definitely what i've realized is that if you are organized and you're prepared and and you start thinking about that 
before it happens, because you never know when it's going to happen, no. then you're, the whole process is a lot calmer. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's a lot more simple and it's how you want it to be mm-hmm. rather than it being rushed and uh, frantic. And I think it adds so much more stress to that experience when those things haven't been spoken about, you know, what people want, where they want to be, finances, all of that sort of stuff. And I've mm-hmm. definitely experienced a lot of that being at the hospice and seeing families um, and then speaking to, you know, um, Ben, obviously, who leads on the spiritual side of things Mm. about his experience of people sort of saying that they wish they'd have made up with that family member and they wish they'd have spoken to that person sooner. So, like, all those sorts of things, I do think that it's definitely, for me, that's sort of why I kind of... uh, that's that that's what I'm I'm passionate about is mm. is getting that message out there I think you got one chance yeah got one chance to do it right they say look the effort that went into my birth plan was ridiculous for my son <laughs> yeah. I'm like well why have I not even concerned about any end of life plan it's the same thing for me and it, it should have more of a focus so I think because people it's one of those things that people don't want to have don't want to think about do yeah. they? and they don't want to fit they don't you know, you want to think it's going to happen anytime soon. And then when they do start talking about it, it's, it's a bit too late. And mm. I think that's definitely something that I've had chats with people about at the hospice, about getting people in earlier um making them see the facilities. Like, you're not being scared of us. It's not, not a crisis. Place. It's yeah. a, for me, having witnessed in the NHS, you hit crisis point, you make silly judgments and mm. everything's last minute and it's all frantic and actually it'd be nice for at the end of a life to have it as peaceful and calm as it possibly can and I think that's what the hospice does well with that, that planning yeah. um and yeah so that that's what I also love it's that opportunity to plan for when the time comes no one wants to talk about it I don't want to dwell on it mm. but I think everyone needs to be open to having the conversation at least yeah and that's where we're at so. definitely but anyway We'll end on that morbid note. We've had quite a vibrant, (laughs) upbeat podcast. But um, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate your time. Um, It's been a pleasure. It's always Gem. Known you for a long time now. No worries. Finally got you on the podcast. Yeah. Luckily, Um, I didn't tell any of those stories about you. Oh, no, there's plenty of them. That's a whole other podcast. We'll save that. We will need at least half an hour for those stories. (laughs) First story. But thank you. This has been our Making Moments Matter podcast for Eleanor Hospice.